shit and it's tax to no end of the rich man of the rich man I wish politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast milk and welfare. God, if you're five foot three and you're 300. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by our host and star of this show, Sal Marinello. This is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, episode 348 right now on the network. Just want to thank a couple of groups here before we bring Sal on uh, to get started here. Some hot topics today, some hard-pressing topics. Audience, thanks so much. Up to 57,000 and climbing right now. Grassroots MLB front offices, 74 countries are listened to. Um, in today's world, that's phenomenal. So Sal Marinello is global, if he wasn't before. And uh, just want to thank you guys. Five stars at the end of this show, no matter what streaming device you listen to. Write some nice comments about Sal and the topics. And uh, that helps us battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like we talk about Major League Baseball. So appreciate that support. You helped us get on the high iHeartRadio's very powerful podcast network. Now help us climb the ladder in that network. Second is our newest friend, our very first sponsor uh, that we've welcomed into our fold. Their slogan is Be Awake, Not Woke, and that is Blackout Coffee. I'm drinking my Blackout Coffee right now. I've got the espresso bag. If you use the code David, capital D, capital A, capital V, capital I, capital D with the number 20, so David, all caps with the number 20, you get 20% off your coffee purchase at checkout. And doesn't matter how big an order, buy a ton for Christmas, give it away for God's sakes. Pass this code out to friends if you want. It's our gift to you. It's their gift to us. After your first purchase, you'll get 15% in perpetuity. Uh, that's a great friend for life. Any friend of mine that is uh, has that slogan, be awake, not woke, loves baseball and coffee, I think I found my kindred spirit out there. So with that, Sal, welcome back to, to your show. Great to be here again. As I always say, it's crazy how fast time flies, especially at this time of year when clocks go back and it's dark early, but the days still go by quickly. So that means we'll get to the spring that much sooner. Yeah, I mean, you're up in the the frozen tundra sometimes of there. We don't, uh, our our winter down here in in South Carolina is probably, well, we would consider it winter for about a month. It's cool right around Thanksgiving. So we're coming up on there, but right now I'm sitting in it's 80 degrees out, uh, you know, on Veterans Day here today, observed, and uh, can't complain about that. After our show today, I get to throw batting practice to my boys outside and nice. go the outdoors the rest of the day. It's, uh, yeah, every every week as the week is close to Friday, you and I are texting back and forth, and it's, shoot, we haven't decided on a time yet to record, and, and Friday came up quick on us. Uh, we, we went back and forth with a bunch of good topics today. Uh, I think the first one we wanted to start with was was a uh, something you sent me recently about uh, you know with all the, the 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 way they tried to I used the word protecting air quotes here on an audio show but shutting gyms down shutting restaurants down wear the masks uh, you sent me something interesting more Americans have died during that episode uh, than than should be should be accounted or should have been should have died and. Uh, more than expected. So expound upon that for us. Well, you know, it's something that I've been reading about and we've seen since post-COVID. So in other words, after after the uh, the 
outbreak when people were afraid and we were locked down and shut down. And when you go back and look at the numbers, no more people died than usual that year. So that tells you something because that is always the stat that matters. Does all-cause mortality change? Does it go up or down? That That's indicative of something. And, and not to get off track, Dave, but when you look at even how medicines are studied before they're approved, you look at, okay, it's a cancer medicine. At the end of the day, do all the death by all causes remain unaffected? Are cancer causes lower, but heart disease causes higher? And in that case, then you have to make some assertions and assumptions, and actually they study those things to make sure these drugs are safe. So what's happening, Dave, is since COVID, since the actual virus break, uh, outbreak, I should say, we've had a excess of deaths in, depending on how you want to refer to it, some people call it the working age group. So that's anyone who's in the workforce. Certainly, we've seen a big jump in just the ages of people 35 to 44 years old. And basically what they're saying is it's attributable. Well, not they. In general, the the across the board response has been a shrug of the shoulders and no real interest in looking into it, where we've had other people look into it. And one of the obvious pimple on the huge pimple on the end of your nose reasons is the vaccine. And there's people that have been pushing this. Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey is one of the more well-known people. Uh, also, Ed O'Dowd, who was a former uh, a former analyst for BlackRock until he saw the light and kind of broke free and does his own thing. But he's a data analyst and has been on this again since the, since the COVID outbreak. So this is something that, you know, Anytime that happens, it should be a concern for everyone in society when we have this uptick, and it's a pretty substantial one, not just in the United States, but all across the globe. And it's actually worse in countries. And as as it so happens, it's worse in countries where they had a higher vaccination rate. Yeah. So what's that called? Occam's razor? Uh, Well, yeah, certainly. That's that's a good example of it. Yeah. That concern, it's concerning in itself. And then when you look at the hospital setting alone, I'll pull where I read this from this past week, but close to 440,000 deaths where the cause of death was a mistake. Um, Guy goes in for a knee surgery and doesn't make it through. Over 400,000 deaths just with that. So add that to COVID. You're looking at, I mean, I I can't remember the number we saw with because they're kind of skewing with the COVID numbers, but- for over 400,000 deaths by mistakes, that's over a thousand deaths a day by just mistakes. Well, uh, it, it's, it's, and you know, you can't, we've engaged, uh, or not we, people have engaged in this game of, well, you know, it's from this source and they're, they're anti-vaxxers or they're a conspiracy theory site or they're Republicans or they're liberals. And those are labels that people use to downplay the, message because they don't want to deal with the facts. They want to make it like automatically there's some agenda. So this particular story, why it's interesting is from USA Today. And it's it's basically an opinion piece, but the fact that they've allowed this opinion to be published so prominently in their paper. And, and it starts off by saying there's an extreme and sudden increase in worker mortality in the fall 
of 2021, even as the nation saw a, precip a precipitous drop in COVID-19 deaths from a previous wave. And that's that 35 to 44 age group. They had a 34% of 34% more people died than expected in the last quarter of 2022 with above average rates in other working age groups too. So this, the logic and what these data analysts are saying is that those people in the workforce are the ones that had the highest percentage of vaccination. And, and we we're now seeing the, the the walking back of all these people who told you that you should be fired, that you shouldn't be able to get a hospital bed or even a doctor visit until you were vaccinated. And as a matter of fact, the courts in New York just awarded uh, people who had been fired, they awarded them their jobs back with complete back pay. That was the least of it. I'm not sure if there was anything tacked on. So we actually have a reason right there out in front of us. It's going to be a matter of are the real journalists out there, the real, you know, if we have any real media left, is anyone going to really look into this and try to come up with a kind of unified theory, a unified, not even a theory, a unified answer? Oh, they'll, when, when it benefits them, they'll reverse course immediately and start, you know, chewing their own legs off to get out of the traps. What USA Today was the leader in this number? That, that surprised well, me. That, I don't... That, this paper, the one that I saw, was a was an op-ed piece printed in USA Today, so that's a that's a pretty interesting point that it wasn't someone that you could be say was considered hostile to the cause if you want to be that way. But again, there's been many instances of the pro-vax, pro-mandate crowd now walking back. There's actually been these politicians and other types claiming that no one was forced to get any of these vaccines when they have them both in writing, in action, and on video basically saying just as much. Oh, yeah. It's election time. That's why. Well, no, I think I think it's more than that, Dave. I think there's gonna there could be a reckoning of some sort worse than just, you know, whether you're going to lose your job or not. So, you know, almost like uh, I'm maybe going too extreme on this, but similar to like Nuremberg trial where these guys are complicit in uh, the deaths of Americans. Yeah, so I mean, people people bring that up a lot. You know, I I, I go back, I read about those Nuremberg trials. The, 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 the trials themselves were great. The, the problem is, after all these people were sentenced and put in jail, many of them, or even sentenced to death, many of them had their sentences changed from death to life or to some other term in prison, and then many of them on top of that either didn't serve in prison or had their sentences severely reduced. So I know there were obviously some some hangings and some deaths and some death sentences as a result of Nuremberg. No, no one's claiming that should be the case. But as far as, you know, as far as real accountability, there's a lot of gaps in that story there that people think it was this white, not whitewash, but this grand slam of punishment. It really wasn't. So I would hope if there are people held responsible for this. It goes a little more to, to to the nature of what was done and 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 a punishment that's more fitting than was done then. But yeah, so so it seems seems like the the powers to be that were at the forefront of uh, uh, some of these were were forced. I mean, it was 
people, like you said, lost their jobs. There's money being returned to them for being forced out of work. So that's evidence in itself. But sounds like you feel, and I think I feel the same way, that um, the, the people that did impose this on Americans, their backs against the wall now realizing like the, the, the evidence is slowly creeping in on them where they have no choice but to tell the truth now. Well, yeah. And the fact that so many people were affected by the, those policies, whether it's because your kids were screwed up and lost years of school and their development was uh, hampered, whether it was people who literally lost their jobs. And again, for, for a politician or another administrative bureaucratic person who has no accountability other than maybe some public scrutiny here and there, for those types to now walk away and say, well, no one was actually forced to. Well, you tell that to the to the mom or dad or the single mom or the single dad or the head of the household who could get a shot and keep their job and keep food on the table, especially in the current circumstances, or not get it and lose a job and not be able to go work and not be able to feed your family. So it's, it's ultimately, it's dishonesty and kind of an intellectual dishonesty on top of it that would lead someone to be able to say that and actually think they're being taken seriously. Yeah. It's, it's like we tell our children, that's, I don't know if that would classify as a, a, a lie of omission or a white lie, uh, the way they're doing it. But yeah, it's, it's starting at the top right now. We're seeing it at the very top at the political level of our country. So, um, you know, we, we, we certainly know what, 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 uh, what type of thing trickles down and that's happening as we, as we speak. I won't say the word on air, so I don't have to bleep myself, but, right. Uh, but, uh, well, um, I mean, up, up, I think, you know, Dave, that goes, you know, so uh, it, what's, here's what sucks and here's what sucks. And again, not to be in a conspiracy, a conspiracy theory mode, but there are, uh, there, I, I heard this phrase or the concept that to, to throw our society into turmoil and to really change the nature of, of how we live, that, the, there's a move to make everything political and, and that you can't do anything without politics being involved in it. And unfortunately, I think we're at that point where we clearly see our health and our choices have become a political issue. Our sports, you can't watch a sporting event without there being some nod to some political issue. You can't listen to music or watch a show or a commercial without there being an undertone of a political position being thrown in there. And everything from the NFL to NASCAR to certain other events, there's politics. The NFL has those taglines in the end zone on the back of people's helmets. The colleges have it. It's Everything is politics. And, and it's seeped into every element. And it's dangerous because it's seeped into our ability to take care of ourselves. And one of these other abilities, we just talked about the vaccine, is how we feed ourselves. And we've talked about that. We've talked about how there's this move to have lab-grown meat and lab-grown chicken has been approved and how the, the, the line is that it's somehow safer and better for the, econ uh, I'm sorry, for the ecology of the planet, which we know is, is garbage. And it's being run by big money who's in cahoots with big food and big pharma and big tech. Big tech really is the big money here so that they're going to totally control the food chain. Well, they, they, uh, we hit on the article through the USA Today, and I'm surprised that they took their stance because they, they were on that, that very extreme, uh, as, as all media was. But 
um, interesting donations are happening to newspapers and there's ownership that, ha- I mean, who, who was the, the Amazon guy? Uh, he bought Post. He bought Post, right? He bought the Washington Post. Yeah. He got Bill Gates donating to the Atlantic and the Guardian. And can we expect true media to come out of these, what we consider media? I mean, there is no media anymore. We can't well, believe no, it. And, and, and just to go back one quick thing we didn't mention about that USA Today story. I think the, the reason I think uh, an a, a, outlet like USA Today would publish that because if you go back, they make a note at the end of that story that the Society of Actuaries is the report that they're citing. So when you have a legit organization like the Society of Actuaries, which I believe the insurance industry and probably others use to determine how they run their businesses based on the actuarial tables, you can't ignore it. So that is probably, and and that's what that Ed O'Dowd said. Ed O'Dowd had said from the beginning, the insurance companies were going to lead in being able to reveal what these trends were. So, but to go back to Gates, he, he is obviously trying to buy, he's bought, he owns all the, the majority of farmland. Uh, He's backing this fake meat and this lab grown meat stuff. He's invested in the Atlantic and the Guardian. And if you look at the the things that the Atlantic and the Guardian have published, it's these non-attributed quotes or these headlines that are non-attributed. And then when you go into the weeds of the article, there's very little actual data as to the study that backs up the claim that says, quote, climate friendly diets can make a huge difference, even if you don't go all out vegan. That That's a, a headline that's well, a word salad of nonsense uh, because the concept of a climate-friendly diet is something that's totally made up, just like the concept of a superfood. So they're, they're, what's great about these people is they're able to, to craft these arguments from a position that is totally made up and fake, but yet no one questions them on that original premise that if there is a climate-friendly diet, the vegans know what it is. Yeah. Their, their, their agendas, I mean, I know people don't dive as deep as we do sometimes, but if you want to just stay on the surface, you can pretty much tell what their agenda is based on the title. And then if they do or if they're brave enough to cite something, which they should always do, I encourage people to, to click on that and just find out how asinine the, the backup research is because it's usually a, a lone gunman writing something and it's unsubstantiated or it's a small sample size. But uh, people rarely go go beneath the surface. I encourage people to do that. Bill Gates is not writing the articles, but it's hard to think that they're not going to be biased towards certain topics. I mean, that's a gentle way to put it. Yeah, and, and again, when it's money, all all this is about is money and control. Again, to go back to this this again, another fake headline: plant based meat by far. Now, by far. The best climate investment report finds. So it's not a study, which people should know the difference and probably do read report, but they don't really make the association that a report is different from a study. And when you look at who did the study, it's, or I'm sorry, did the the report, see I'm falling into my own trap here. It's this uh, Boston consulting group. And 
what they here's a great again in describing themselves they use word salad to describe themselves uh, Boston Consulting Group is a global consulting firm that partners with leaders in business and society to tackle their most important challenges so basically what that is is they're going to make up whatever they need to make up to support their their customers uh, you can be guaranteed that Bill Gates went to this company and and the reason this company got the job was because they were going to come up with the report that Bill Gates wanted to see. And we don't need to be a, a wizard or a consultant or an expert to know that the cow eats off of, a, off of land that can't be used for any other purpose. That's one of the, and we've talked about this, that's one of the myths that the anti-meat crowd uses that somehow cattle farming takes up land that is being, that should be used for other more, quote, beneficial crops or more nutrient dense crops, which there is no more nutrient dense food than red meat or meat. Uh, and what they tell you is that, yeah, that that's land that should be used for other things. When in effect, um, I'm sorry, when in reality, uh, the cattle graze on land, they take cellulose, which no one can digest except them because of their two stomachs. They convert it into beef and protein with nothing other than water from the land and the sun. So there's no more efficient way to make food than what the cattle farmers do. Now, have there been bastardizations of that process to make it less efficient or to in some ways make it less ecologically friendly? Of course there have, but we improve on that method. We don't throw that whole method out and create this nonsense where we're gonna grow meat in a lab that needs electricity, that needs massive amounts of what would be warehouse kind of space, massive amounts of electricity off the grid, and massive amounts of water off the grid, not even mentioning what it costs to build those structures and to maintain those structures. So again, a cow, the sunlight, water, and stuff nothing else can eat, and we turn that into food, and they'll have you believe that this lab-grown Frankenstein food is going to be better for you and better for the environment. Yep. The, uh, I'm looking on their site right now and, and their, their headquarters are in Munich, Germany, even though it says Boston consulting group on it, just so our audience knows that. And their biggest push is climate change and sustainability, social impact, and in business transformation as it, as it surrounds that. So, um, so yeah, that, that particular consulting group, it's, it's got offices throughout the world, but CEOs in Germany, it's not, not Boston as we know it. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's interesting to hear. And um, one of my favorite phrases, and I and recently on these posts, I repeated as much as possible. Uh, veganism and vegetarianism is a folly of the rich, and I've had some people respond to that and say, "Yeah, lol, it's real expensive to buy to buy vegetables and grains." Well, that's not the point. The point is not that it's well, and not that it's uh, not expensive or is expensive to eat that way. The point is, it's the mindset of the rich that come up with that. They have nothing else to worry about. They can afford anything they want. They can do things and have this idle time on their in their heads and on their hands to, to come up with these ideas. If vegetarianism was the, the, the cure, all of these places that have famine and have a shortage of food, it would be way easier to feed them than it has been in the past. So uh, vegetarianism, again, is a folly of the rich. And don't let anyone tell you anything differently. Yeah. I know we talked last show about we're going to move into 
a little bit of self-defense talk, but you know, pe- people got to start growing a little bit of their own food. And we, we just, we did the broccoli last week. We planted it. It grows quickly. Um, I encourage people to start growing some of your own food because grocery stores are getting even more expensive. Now restaurants are more expensive now and you know, they're buying it from the same things we're talking about because they are, as we've talked on this show, they are doing what they can to handcuff the farmer, so to speak. So, um, Grow some of your food, farmers markets. I still am searching. My, 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 we, we, we found it for you. You wanted raw milk last time we talked, right? Can't get it here. Got it. Found it for you here. I'll give it to you off the air. So, all right. You, uh, you can get well, yeah, your. I, mean, I could drive to Pennsylvania and get it, but you can't get it in New Jersey. That's that's uh, that's crazy. It's crazy. Um, where, where do you want to go now? You want to go self defense now? You want to well, talk? I want, about- I want to finish up with this Gates and when yeah, you. When you look at Bill Gates, he's the last person that should be giving anyone health information. Um, The other thing I I encourage, if you haven't read The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you should read the book because for as much as it is an indictment of Fauci and his entire career and his failure as the head of the public, basically the public health of this country since the 80s, no one's been a bigger failure at a job and worked for as long as he has. But uh, RFK Jr. goes into great detail about the, the the scams perpetrated by the Gates found Bill Gates and his Gates Foundation, and how rather than and it's interesting for this guy who's so concerned with with food and healthy eating, he hasn't spent until recently much money at all in the third world on providing them with food and ways to feed themselves. He hasn't even tried to develop his fake meat in those countries. He's invested into vaccines and taken failed vaccines from other industrialized nations and foisted them upon these African, poor African countries in exchange for subsidies. So Bill Gates is the last person you should be listening to. And then to look at him, not that you could tell a book Judge a book by its cover, but when you're talking about health, it's a pretty good place to start. He is a slovenly, sloppy, overweight mess that shouldn't be telling anybody how to eat. So don't lose sight of that. And we have to really stay hard and fast against this movement. And what one last thing, Dave, before we move on. Italy, I've seen other countries too, but Italy has been the first country to ban this fake food, which is great. What that tells you about a society that has gone through more governments in a few years than most other countries go through in the entire history of their country. But they know when a fraud is a fraud when it comes to food and they put their foot down to stop it. So let's hope uh, other countries start to, uh, I, I'll tell you what, other European countries will follow their lead. Uh, we're, we're so far gone here. Well, we won't, we won't follow the lead and ban it because Everyone here that's in charge is addicted to the money that comes from either uh, billionaire oligarchs like Gates or Big Pharma. Yeah. Well, two two points on that. First, my grandmother would be rolling over in her grave. Um, D'Agostino, you can imagine Marinello. We got a little bit of Italian in us. Um, thinking about plant-based meatballs. My God. So I'm glad Italy stood up for that. Yeah. And uh, the second, with, uh, you know, with the the book, the, the Fauci book, did you read? Did, have you read the book? Yeah, you read parts of the book. Oh yeah, I read the whole book. Sh- share share a couple snippets of that if you don't mind. Anything that well, uh, something so, that stood out. Well, well, about Gates or about Fauci? Either Fauci. 
if you want. Yeah, I mean, either one. Well, I mean, so the here, the most despicable, I think one of the most despicable things done by any person in the history of anything, go back and if you, you have to read the book about, because you'll find out in great detail, but AZT was a failed drug that was killing patients uh, that was used in cancer to treat cancer patients and was killing people. And there was some mechanism of action that allowed the powers that be to, to recommend it for, for AIDS patients. And basically, the, they said when they would give AZT to, to patients before it was used for AIDS, it was whether the cancer would kill the person first or the AZT would. So when he decided to make that a drug for AIDS use, they knew it was toxic and they knew that in the short term it was killing people. And then they were prescribing it to AIDS patients and the most famous of whom you would know is Arthur Ashe. When I didn't know that till I read the book, Arthur Ashe was asymptomatic, was asymptomatic as was Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson never exhibited symptoms, neither had Arthur Ashe. For whatever reason, Arthur Ashe listened to his doctor and went on it. And that is why he was dying before our eyes when you would see him back in those days. I remember that. So that was probably one of the worst things. The second thing I'll leave you about Fauci is they were taking kids out of the New York City foster care system and experimenting on them. And they were uh, preventing the people who had actual control or actual um, were actually the uh, the uh, I'm losing the word, but they that they weren't wards of the state. They weren't orphans. They were under the the umbrella of the foster care system. So they had families who those kids belonged to, and they had other families that had kids that had problems, uh, physical health problems, and they removed them from those houses and used them to experiment on. There is a documentary that uh, you can that was still on. Uh, it was still on YouTube when I read that book. Uh, I'm going to find the name of that because it's 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 horrendous. It's eight. Uh, I'm sorry for taking time here, but it's AIDS in. No, no, that's a different one. I'm going to come back and get and get you that the title of that. But they went yeah. out and they took kids out of foster homes and used experimental drugs on them. Well, that's. It, in modern day, the kids weren't taken out of foster homes, but we saw that happen in a lot of our school systems nationwide when the parents were um, not necessarily informed when a kid was in school and they were doing vaccines and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I think parents got to take a stand here, take the take the uh, blind blindfold off and start really getting engaged with everything that you control. Go back to basics here where control your food control you know you're the first educator of your child you're the you're the first line of defense of your child um know your neighbors uh you know get, get back out there because i think with all that's going on you know people have you hit it, it it's and it's the, the technical phrase for po politics is dialectical political warfare i didn't make that word up we get all this stuff going on at the ground level where people are being forced to pick sides. Uh, we talked, you, you mentioned early on about the whole political aspect. Everything is political. Um, in fact, we, we may have a new sponsor, uh, two new sponsors uh, uh, that, um, that we're working with right now. One is Jonathan Isaac, if you remember him from the NBA. Yeah. 
Neil refused to wear something on his back, got pushed out of the NBA, tremendous player. He started a new new clothing company called Unitas with the uh, the young lady who was a swimmer at Kentucky who was uh, standing up for herself, uh, losing a national titles this year to a, to a, uh, a, a transitioning uh, male. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, silly. But, yeah, so I think these things are waking people up, I hope. Um, and then uh, the other one is the guy who was uh, Jeremy's Razors. Uh, I don't know if you're – he's the guy who – he uh, started Jeremy's Razors, a, a dispute over that Riley Gaines situation. They made a comment. Harry's Razors didn't like it. And uh, so he started his own razor company. He was being sponsored by Harry's. And second thing he started, which is what we may be working on the sponsors for, is his and, his and her chocolate bars. You want to hear about that? You'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. So the, 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 his bars have he, him on it. The female bars have she, her, which I was like, I, I don't want to get involved with this stuff with the pronoun garbage. But uh, but the, the, the punchline was the the only difference between the chocolate was the he him bars were had uh, nuts in it nuts. that's very so, funny that made me laugh and he he's of this probably more extreme than we are even but he's of that same mindset he runs the daily wire of course uh so they're on top of some things but so, anyway before we get far to uh, the name of the documentary it was it's guinea pig kids and it's uh it's still up on youtube so if anyone didn't doesn't want to believe those stories are true. That's that's a bona fide documentary that's been around for for years. And I think one of the other great points about this whole book that uh, RFK Jr. wrote is that if any of it was not true, he would be in court for the rest of his life over the 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 claims he's made. And he's not been sued to this day. And that's been a number one bestseller, despite the effect, uh, the attempts to make it a marginalized book and it, it sold, I believe it sold over a million copies. So it, it's definitely a real eye opener. So interesting. Yeah. Cause if people are being brought to, to the table for opposing that stuff and they didn't even do what they're being accused of. So yeah, something like that, he came right out and did it. Um, I encourage people, uh, read the book. Sal mentioned also check out that documentary. I'm going to do both. I have not read the book. I've just seen excerpts of it, but, um, Curious to see how that affects his his political run. See if he continues to to still pursue the uh, the presidency here. Yeah, I think he's in it for the long run, but we'll see how that plays out. There's just so much that can happen in the next year. So, yeah, with the, I, that, you know, you mentioned another topic too, and I think it's important for families to get into because you can talk about it in a number of different ways uh, with. You know, we, we, we hear about what's going on with the banks. We hear about what's going on with the food. Um, I've always been of the mindset you've got to, you know, you've got to protect your, your turf. We're not condoning violence. We're not saying go out there and, you know, do all that stuff. So, but you got to protect your, your house. Uh, but, uh, but you, but even further, you got to protect yourself. You wanted to hit on self-defense. I think there's, there's no worse time right now, as you say, to be unhealthy, but there's no better time to get engaged in, in some sort of self-defense. Yeah, you know, it's something I, I kind of got involved in just as a uh, an offset, an offshoot of just of what I do as coaching people and working with people. And I had the opportunity to do some high level Krav Maga training. If you're not familiar with Krav Maga, maybe it's not the correct way to describe it, but it's basically Israeli martial arts, and it's the form of self-defense that the Israeli special forces had used. And it became something that was used by 
men and women in our armed forces that were outside the armed forces, but were p- p- uh, part of any of the agencies, whether it was Homeland Security, whatever it may be, it was the, the different groups within the armed forces, such as Green Berets, Special Forces, SEALs. I was in a training group that included all of those people. You got to be friendly with some of them. And it was interesting because you'd get to know them pretty well and, and speak with them about what they were doing. And they just couldn't tell you much about why they were there, who they were, and where they were going. So, uh, and it was good for me. It was good for fitness. It was good to open my eyes to certain things that I never thought about in the true self-defense form. And when you think about self-defense, obviously, boxers are, are very well equipped to handle themselves. So are martial arts, martial artists. Martial arts will prepare you for that. The thing about Krav Maga and what how they describe it is there's no stylized there's no institutionalized stance because when you get attacked, you're not not in a ready stance with your hands where they should be to protect yourself. And and it kind of goes from there. And it's a very aggressive and cutthroat philosophy mindset. You have to have this mindset that for me, after doing it for a, a period of time, I had to back out of it because it was just too much. It was you know, it, it's not overstating it to say it's kill or be killed. And if you've seen any of the footage recently of some of the attacks in New York City and other places, it is kill or be killed. If you're approached in the street by a nut or a couple of people, it's kill or be killed. And these Krav guys are not tough guys. As a matter of fact, their first three rules of, of Krav Maga are run, run, and run. So they're not looking for fights. They're looking, their first thing is they, and they beat this endlessly is to get away and run away if you can. Yeah. No, I, I didn't realize that's, that's what you were going to grab onto. I, I'm very familiar with it and um, I like the philosophy. It's a combination, you know, it doesn't have any, as you said, it doesn't have a stance. It's not, people want to categorize it. They'll, they'll connect it with boxing, wrestling, street fighting, Aikido. They try to combine every defense thing, but it's unique because they do have a method for the Israeli forces, as you mentioned, and it has been adopted by some of the acronyms in our, our military defense. But they also have a civilian uh, version of it. Uh, but regardless, I mean, it's it's a simultaneous defense and attack. Um, they do want you to be physically aggressive when it's appropriate, which it should not be confused with emotional aggression or anger. That's the kind of the nuance of it. But it's a uh, it's the, the physical aggression is the most important component of their, their fight. I've actually gone through it before as well. So I, I, uh, I have, I have an appreciation for how they, they certainly teach it. Yeah. It was the group here that was, so the, the, the place I trained in South Jersey was the Israeli defense force or whatever. And it was their liaison with the Israeli Krav Maga. So the people who were certified, were being trained to be certified by the head guy from Israel who would come over and actually go through their certifications and say that they were ready to go. I mean, there's no belts. There's no this or that. You either can do it or you're you're not ready for it. So yeah. uh, obviously, if you're a, 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 what I was doing it for was completely different. I was lucky enough to be allowed to participate because of 
some other circumstances. But I was me and two other guys were the only ones there that were kind of not in it for real deal. You're going into the middle of the shit, as these guys would say. They're like, we're going into the shit. And I'll tell you one quick story. So there was one guy I was doing my work with because ultimately you gravitate to certain people. And he felt comfortable during one of our kind of breaks where we were allowed to work on stuff together. And he was a little more experienced. And he said to me, he said, could you choke me out? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I need you to actually choke me out like you mean it because we're being prepared for this here. But until you get someone that actually is trying to choke you, you don't know what it's like. And I need someone to be able to choke me out. And and I'm not afraid to admit that I just couldn't do it. I said, look, if this you're asking me to do something with 100%, like I have to choke you out, I'm not going to be able to do it. But, you know, let's get someone else to. But I just, I wasn't ready for that. And that was at the end of this pretty long stretch of, of doing it. And I have to admit, I was kind of emotionally fried by the concept of what was being kind of instilled in the group because of, for obvious reasons. Yeah. They're not, they're not battling for trophies or medals. They're uh, fighting for their lives in that. And for the audience, I know we're not a visual show, but, um, and correct me if I'm wrong in, re- in remembering it, but I mean, just so the, the, the audience gets kind of an idea, there are strikes in it that are similar to karate and boxing. Um, you know, you, you do takedowns and throws similar to like judo, aikido, uh, wrestling. Uh, there's groundwork that you got to get familiar with, like judo, wrestling would be the same. And then like Sal, you were talking about, there's escapes from chokes and holds. Uh, and they teach that in judo, aikido, wrestling as well. But the, the, the part that I liked, uh, which may be pertinent to, you know, what's going on in our world is they, I got shown the empty hand weapon defense. So it, it's, you know, if, if you've done a keto before, you know, keto's kind of, you're, you're resisting this, the empty space and, and using the space for movement. Uh, they have that empty hand weapon defense, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd be able to, to, uh, do a simulation of choking somebody that would be kind of difficult. Uh, yeah. And, and what I've been able to do, and I've had some clients recently being interested in things and I've always, it's funny because the things that they tell you that for whatever your, your, for whatever your frame of reference is, if that's the right term, or for whatever your reason is for being there, I still did want to know if I ever get in a bad situation, what can I do? And what's, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a hundred percent right, but this is my recollection. And this is what I've told some of my people. They go for the eyes. It's, it's like no bullshit, not to be, but it's like, Eyes, nuts, and throat. Those are those are the three areas. And and if you get into some kind of scrap, the idea is to get out of it and not to. It's not this prolonged, stylized fight that you see in movies. And actually, the one of the guys that was an instructor there had done Hollywood film consulting and and structured these fights. He said, a lot of that stuff you see is Krav Maga, but trust me, if a guy lands an elbow or a girl lands an elbow on on another person, that's going to pretty much end the stand-up portion of the fight. And so that's one of the things we don't understand, and that's one of the things you kind of have to get in the mindset of if you're going to defend yourself. And I'm again, I'm not an expert. I'm just trying to give people a little bit of info that's going to help them, and it's better than knowing nothing. But the point is, if you if you get an elbow on someone – You've got to make sure you hit it and land it in the right spot because you might not get a second one like you see in the movies. If you're trying to get the eye gouge technique, which they teach, 
you have to kind of go in it a hundred percent. You can't kind of be dainty. You've got to go in and your intention has to be, I'm scooping this person's eyeball out. So that's very difficult for people to understand, but that's what they're trying to get you to understand that again, it's kill or be killed. If you get into one of these confrontations. Yeah, no, the, uh, and the point, the point's well taken with the, the points, uh, the, the attack points, the vulnerable points of the body, the, so the, the eyes, the groin, obviously the neck and the throat, the, the other parts were the face, the ribs, the knees, the foot, fingers, liver. I mean, there's a lot of key points, but I remember the one, the one point that they made, which resonated with me as a, as a former coach and an athlete was use simple, easily repeatable strikes. We talk about, actually funny, we talk about in pitching, right? Repeatable delivery to stay healthy. Right. But keep it simple and just keep repeating it, repeating that simple strike. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, I, I, I didn't know you were going in that direction with this today. I, I, I think that's one of the best, if people want to do this, I, I mean, I encourage you find someone who's teaching in your area, the civilian version. Obviously we don't need a bunch of uh, Israeli fighters out there on the streets of New Jersey right now or South Carolina for that matter. But, it's great. It's great exercise, but it also wakes people up a little bit to say, as you said, there's really no way to simulate that. And you better be 100 percent in because it's not like there's a do over. They don't ring. All right, let's start over. Let's try the technique from this side. It's it's a, it's a one and done. Well, it makes sense. I mean, if you if someone bum rushes you or, or runs at you from the side where you're not expecting them, you what, what good does it do if you're used to doing all these things from a stance where you're balanced and you have your hands up. That's not how, and that's what they, they kept saying over and over again. This is not, that's not how things happen. Even in the movies, you see these guys and they're, they're square off against each other. That's just not how it happens in the real world. So if this is really something you're doing for self-defense, you have to approach it from that. And that's why, again, for me, after a while, it was enough. And the one thing I'll say to, to back that up, that why you need that is, there was a video with in the last couple of weeks, maybe it was a month of a guy was outside of a wedding in Manhattan with his either his fiance or his wife, and they got approached by a guy. And unfortunately for these this couple, they did all the wrong things. They tried to placate him. The girl, the woman at one point put herself between the, the aggressive guy and the, the man that she was protecting. And the guy wound up getting stabbed and he died on the street in New York because they didn't just run run away. Uh, run away. And, and, and they say the worst thing to be is at, at, at arm's length. Unfortunately, you got to run away. And if you can't, then you've got to close the distance. Because again, in this crop, if you're really going to try to equalize something, maybe that's the imbalance in size and strength, you have to be able to reach the, the, the nuts. You know, you got to get their eyes and you got to get their throat. You're not doing that from arm's length. So if you're in trouble and someone grabs you, you have to know what to do when all of a sudden you're in that close quarters. Yeah. And then uh, I'm doing a little history lesson here while we're on the show or while we're doing the show, but it was created by a Hungarian Israeli martial artist. And I'm probably going to mispronounce the name, Emi Lichtenfeld. And the training was taken. He was a boxer and a wrestler, uh, but from his uh, having experiences in street fighting and it's uh, now, do you, you mentioned the, the intensity of it kind of wore you out. What, what parts what wore you out the most? Was it uh, the all-in? Um, it was. It was the. It was the mental. Uh, the mental grind of that was always 
how you had to be thinking that. And then it be, be starts to be part of how you walk around. You're walking around. I'm at the mall. You know, all, everything is like assess the possible assess the danger. And again, when you're doing it, you're not I wasn't doing it in a class with 25, 30 other people like myself. I was doing it with two of my coworkers and then 27 to 35 other guys who were going to be in the harm's way. So the, 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 they didn't pull their foot off the pedal because there were three neophytes in there or three civilians. They were giving you kind of it was an interesting insider view to how they train and what it must be like to be this full-time soldier where you're really in the middle of things. Yeah, that's, it's an all or nothing. And it just, it just, so the audience knows too, as you stated in the beginning and we hit in the middle now, um, as we're, we're getting through it, the philosophy is that the best way to get in a fight is, is the best way. I'm sorry. I want to make sure I get this right. The best way to win a fight is not to get into a fight is their philosophy. So as you said, run away, um, and, uh, and they do, you know, avoid conflict avoidance, that type of stuff too. But, uh, yeah, the, at the end of the day, I understand what you're saying now where it's, it's, it's not just a class that you're going to, it's a way of life basically. And if, you know, you mentioned the founder of the, the crop of the forum, one of the, the notable students of his who kind of was the torchbearer after he passed was one of the people involved in this system or in this, in the group that I was involved in. And it wasn't, it was just from a third party who kind of had law enforcement and secure private security contacts that we had this ability. And actually in my old business, what we did was with help from the Israeli Krav Maga, I don't want to call it board, but for lack of a better term board, we had kind of done this civilian local uh, self-defense training at our place. So we kind of got lucky and we were tied in with some of these original, you know, let's go these OG Krav Maga guys. So, yeah. Now, do you teach it at your facility now? No, or you have I'm not a teacher. I have some people who expressed some concerns and I could show them again. We practiced, we've practiced throwing elbows. I'm like, don't throw punches because you'll hurt your fist. You're, you're got to, you know, you have to be at a distance. No one's going to expect an elbow. And if you catch someone and if you practice the elbow and you catch someone who's physically superior, you could get away. If you know how to hit someone in the, uh, hit a guy in, in the nuts and get them at a, uh, at a, and a, a disadvantage and then throw an elbow, that's the, one of the main modes of, of combating someone who grabs you from behind is, you fight with the arm that's around your neck. You kind of get you. You try to position your chin in such a way that it's in their elbow, so they can't choke you out. They and they're concentrating on that, and then you take that one arm and come down and get them in the nuts. And then when they kind of relax and bend forward, you quickly catch them with an elbow. And then that's the point you run away. In the movies, that's the point they turn around and they continue to fight. Whereas in real life, that's the point where you've got that. 15 second window maybe where you could get your ass out of there. Yeah, that's when the killer line comes in when they turn back around. And with the number of time we've said nuts in this podcast, we're definitely going to get that uh, sponsorship. There's no doubt in my mind now that those chocolate bars, <laughs> I think we, we, we hammered at home right now. In fact, I could see a, I could see a, a mini commercial because with that sponsorship, you have to do like mini commercials. So you and I may have to do that one. Fine. I'll do it. With our little crab Maga talk. But, uh, well, uh, 
what else did you want to get to today? Uh, well, we, let's do- leave them with this. So you know what? It's funny, and it goes back to the fake meat thing. I have so many people, and it you you get to know know what's BS and what's legit. And actually, if you look at the numbers, the amount of people who actually have an issue with dairy is very low. And people who tell you that dairy is bad for you, again, another group of people that are just parroting a line and have no concept. So I have people who all the time tell me they can't believe that I drink my coffee with heavy cream in it. And I also put butter in it on some days. I'll put butter. I use coconut oil and make what they used to call a bulletproof coffee. And that was the kind of, um, that was the generic term for this high fat coffee that you would drink. And it became a brand and it's now gotten far away from where it came from. But the point is, I the, many of these same people that don't drink cream or don't put cream or half and half or dairy in their products, drink these artificial creamers. And if you would look at some of the ingredients on some of these creamers, you would be amazed at what's in them and that people are going to look at that as being somehow healthier than good old fashioned cream or half and half or even milk. And so this morning I was getting my coffee at the Wawa and while I love Wawa, the artificial creamers or uh, not, not artificial creamer, but the creamers they have are just abysmal. And I took a picture, Dave, of the ingredient list. And the ingredient list for their Irish cream creamer is it's liquid sucrose. And you know what that is? Sugar. Sugar water. Yeah. So in parentheses, it says sugar water. And then on top of liquid sucrose, you have corn syrup. And then you have soybean oil and then a bunch of other garbage. So it's Again, we're at a point now where someone's going to think real dairy is bad for you, but I'm making a better choice by putting sugar water, corn syrup, and chemicals in my body instead. Yeah, that's uh, – and yeah, and I, I, I've become – I like going to Wawa too when I'm up that way. We don't have that down here. But uh, no, it's uh, – we got to pay attention. Don't drink creamers. What's that? So, so the message is don't drink creamers. Drink either black – if you really have a dairy issue, drink it black, suck it up, and learn how to drink black coffee, or put cream in it. Yep, I did. I learned that guy. I had a, a cup of coffee. Give my grand, grandfather this grandpa Augie out in California. He's a dairy farmer, and uh, we went out to visit him when I was what thir- thirteen. I won the Pepsi Hot Shot. I was shooting it for the national championship at halftime of a Laker game, and he lived in San Bernardino. We went out and visited him after I was uh, shot in the championships, and. Um, he took me to Denny's. That was his place. If we couldn't find him at home, we'd always call the Denny's to look for him. And, uh, you know, I was 13. He goes, "You want? what do you want to drink? I was like, I have a cup of coffee like you. And so he's like, yeah, sure. Don't tell your parents. So I, I started putting milk in it and, or cream in it. And he goes, whoa, 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 stop. He goes, what are you doing? And I was like, I was, that's what people do, right? And he goes, no, no, no. You don't ruin a good cup of coffee. Drink it black. You're going to drink coffee with me. Drink it black. Otherwise, don't drink it at all. So from that day, I've never had anything in my coffee. Just always black. Nice. I like it. So, but he also smoked unfiltered cigarettes. So I, uh, I don't know if I should have been taken, but he did live till he was like 98. So something was going on there. Yeah, He had some, he had some secret there. Yep. Without a doubt. So how, how do you want to leave the audience? How do you want to leave them today? What do you want uh, to I think I'm exhausted. I don't think they could take any more from me today. So I think again, let's leave them with the whole ideas. If you don't like dairy, if you have a problem with dairy, as your uncle Augie said, drink it black. Yep. That's right. 
So with uh, with that, with our audience, uh, appreciate the the support with you guys. Fifty seven thousand and growing. Uh, make sure you give this show five stars. Write some nice comments so we can battle the analytics of the podcast world in a positive way. And also to Blackout Coffee, I'm drinking mine right now, the espresso, drinking it black, as Sal recommended, um, out of my Blackout Coffee mug, even though that's redundant. Um, support uh, the friendship we have with them now. Go to go to their site. You can get in at our show notes. Type in David, all capital letters, D-A-V-I-D, number 20 afterwards, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. You'll get 15% off in perpetuity. What a great friend. They love, they love our approach to the world, be awake, not woke. Uh, that's their slogan. They love baseball and they love coffee. So I can't go wrong with that friendship. And uh, with this, the hot corner with Coach Sal, get us next week, probably on Friday again next week. And we certainly appreciate uh, what you do, Sal. Love the information and enjoy the conversation. I don't eat coffee when I'm talking to you. You're the stimulant. Wow, that's quite a uh, compliment. Thanks, Dave. That may be the slogan of our show right here. But, uh, <laughs> Every day living in this new world One, two, many days to me Son, we're on the brink Of the next world war And I don't think Nobody's praying no more And I ain't saying I know it for sure I'm just down on my 